0: We must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Oh, welcome back. Like Dragons, Do They Fight? podcast. We're so glad you're here and listening. I'm with one of my favorite guys that inspires me a lot tonight. I'm here with Brighton Peterson. Maybe you've heard him in other podcasts. I know he's been on the, Oh, Eternal Warrior podcast. He's been on the Mothers Who Know podcast and he's working on something so cool. And I'm going to start this out by saying without vision, the people perish, right? Like there's something that Brighton and I were talking about before we started, right? Brian, like Brighton, you were saying the vision behind what you're doing. It's a big passion project. He reached yeah, out to me. Go for it. it. Really Go for it, Brighton. Yeah, you reached out to me and said, hey, I've got something. And I just think that's so cool when people reach out to me and say, let's do a podcast. And I actually said, my scheduler has your name. I've been thinking the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to be sharing this. This has been a a work in progress for a number of years now. Well, yes. To start off kind of a teaser is this passion project is called Candle Nida. And I want to talk more about what that means in a little bit, but maybe to a little context might help people understand why this is such a big deal. So this coming February will be 11 years since I joined the Sons of Healing program and it took me a year and a half to, to learn the skills, work the steps and to graduate, and then from there, move on to bigger, better things. Um, since then, I've now come full circle and I get to run some Sons of Human groups some and then YSA groups. And it's a super cool experience. So there, there's that side of my life. But also as a teenager, I would spend my summers working at a scout camp close nearby Ogden, Utah. And I did that for eight summers. And I started as just the counselor in training, you know, just leading Cub Scouts around from one station to the next. And then over the years as I grew and matured, I was trusted with more responsibility where I was the crew president, which basically means I'm the young guy in charge of all the young people. And then there was the actual mature adults who were, I mean, as mature as people at Scout Camp can be, but so there's the actual mature adults who are over me. Go on my mission, come back. And then I was the aquatics director, which means I'm in charge of everything water. And then somebody thought it would be a brilliant idea to have a 22-year-old be in charge of the entire camp. Mm. and So then I was hired to be the camp director for a summer. And along the way, as I've continued to grow and progress, I had this thought every once in a while. Didn't realize it was the Holy Ghost. It's one of those things where I think it's my own thought. I was like, nah, it's a good idea, but it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kept having this thought, like, what if there was a summer camp for guys who were in the Sons of Healing? where they could come and receive advanced training and how fun that would be and how beneficial it would be. And the thought would pop up every once in a while and I would just shoot it off. as like, that's super cool, but I can never pull it off. There's, there's no way. Until in 2020, I was attending a passion project training taught by Maurice Harker. And he he's sharing what I've come to refer to as the scenario where you imagine you receive the communication from God and in this communication, Heavenly Father says that I want you to go and do some good work on the earth. And I trust you, so I don't particularly care what it is. But in order to help you pull it off, I'm going to give you a team of 10 mortals and 10 ministering angels. And money's no object. I'll meet all of your needs along the way. What would you do? And so as I'm sitting there thinking about that, it's like the Holy Ghost comes and whacks me upside the head with a nerve sword or something like that. It's like, hey, there's this camp idea. It's like, oh, this isn't just my thought. This is something i have been pushed towards for a while. Wow. And so since spring of 2020, I've been working on this idea of Camp Oneida and trying to turn it into, into a reality.
0: Mm. Wow, you know what? what? Camp Oneida. I was just listening to, yeah. The book of Mormon just this week and a 40, you said, you reminded me, I said, it's in the forties and you said 47 before we started our, where it mentions Camp Oneida and anyway, I listened really close. I actually went back and listened to it again. Cause I thought I'm doing a thing with Brighton. <laughs> I need to listen to this because when you first told me about it, I was like, I can't even remember that the book of Mormon mentions a Camp Oneida. Right. When, when I very first heard this idea, when, you, when it was brought up, probably heard it about a year ago, maybe. But I just was thinking, where does it say Camp Oneida? And so anyway, tell us why the name Camp Oneida.
1: So it started off because it's, well, I'll tell you the story that goes along with it. And so it started as like this really simple thing because it sounds cool. Mm-hmm. And then I come to love the story that's associated with it. So in Alma chapter 47, we have the story of a very noble Lamanite general named Lahontai, who, this is after Amalekiah defects from the Nephites, he's trying to commit a coup and take over the Lamanite government and then go to war with the Nephites. And so Lamanite king issues a decree that, you know, the army's going to go and attack the Nephites, and Lahontai won't. He commits treason, and he takes as many as will listen to him, which turns to be over half of the army and they flee to the land of Oneida. And Alma chapter 47 calls it, and they fled to Oneida, the place of arms. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a cool description. So that's that's originally why I chose the name. But the more I ponder about the story of Lohantai and how noble a man he is. Um, Mormon doesn't tell us all of his motivations and reasons why he chose to defy the king and not go to war. But I like to imagine that... He was one of the soldiers who followed Zarahemna into battle against Captain Moroni a few years earlier. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the soldiers who threw down his weapons of war and made a covenant that he would never go to war against the Nephites again. Now, I don't know if that's actually the case, but I like to imagine that, that he is a man of honor, a man of valor, and he will hold true to his covenants and even to the point of treason. And so he takes everyone who will listen to him and he flees to Oneida. To the place of arms and because it has such a cool name the place of arms and because i am inspired by how noble lahontai is that's why i chose the
0: name camp oneida the place of arms and so the place of arms just that is very cool so tell me well first of all i just think that's so neat because we all think of lahontai as the guy that came down from the mountain Right. Yeah. So we don't even think of anything good about Lahontai because the next part of where he's talked about is like this big deal where we're like, oh man, don't do it. Right. But I just think, I love that you shared that with me. Cause that just makes me think, okay, I needed you to point that out to me loud and clear that that's what he did. Right. It was, yeah, the, you know, saying, I, I don't agree. I've I've made an oath, I've decided to do something different and I'm going to stick to it no matter what, even if it's, you know, causes me, you know, it's great harm kind of a thing. But when it says he went to he went to Camp Oneida, the place of arms, why do you think it was called the place of arms? I'm just guessing. Is that where they made weapons?
1: Is Mormon doesn't really explain why in the in the Book of Mormon. If we were to think about it strategically, that would make sense. It's a place yeah. where weapons are manufactured. Yeah. It's there's a place nearby called Mount Antipas. And so some Book of Mormon scholars have theorized that perhaps it was like a dormant volcano or something like that. And that's where they harvested obsidian to help make clubs and swords and those kinds of things. Yeah. And so that's a possibility. It might also be because it was on a mountain and it's a fortified place and there were arms there that's where the weapons were. And Mm -hmm. so it would be the most strategic place to retreat to. That's just assumptions. Mormon doesn't really explain why, but those are my thoughts and I kind of like them.
0: Yeah. You know what? I love that. And I love, I love your example as you listeners out there are noticing. I just think that's such an amazing thing to feed our testimonies and our passions about what we are, using our righteous energy behind to create more good in the world, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's so great for you to be saying, Well, I like to imagine it's this. We it doesn't say that for sure, but I'm imagining it's this. So you've said it about, you know, the place of arms as well as, you know, that he may have followed Zarahemla, Zarahemna, right? And then he yeah then he deserted anyway, but I just think so good. It just is a good example for all of us to, to consider because we often drone along in the scriptures, right. And so to make them more of a reality, let them inspire us and let us let us imagine some things from them. So good. So one of the things that makes me think about you. Yeah, I've known Brighton for a lot of years. And one of my favorite stories about Brighton is just well, there's lots of fun things I like about Brighton. He was the very first thing that I saved to share with my students, my eternal lawyers, clients that I had, he was on his mission and he shared something with his mother and it was so inspiring. I was like, I want that. Can I have it? Cause <laughs> it was just so much about warrior chemistry. And the next time you talk for a minute, I'm going to pull it up so I can read it to everybody, but yeah, it was just like, so. So cool what you said, uh huh. Brighton, one thousand days—that's what it's called. Okay,
1: that was a long time ago.
0: Yeah, right. And you, your mom sent it to me. And when I would teach warrior chemistry, and you listeners aren't—I'm sorry—you're going to miss out on this, but I'm going to share a screen so I can show Brighton because maybe can't even remember what he what he said or what it looked like because I'm that way. Oh, I said that. And that was how long ago? That was a long time ago. How long ago was this on your mission?
1: Nine years ago, nine and a half years ago, June (laughs) 2023 is when I entered the MTC. It's
0: amazing. Yeah. Okay. So there's a little paragraph here where he's telling, he sends this to his mom and then below it is that awesome, image that painting of Captain Moroni where he's yelling with his mouth open and he's swinging his title of liberty above his head and the picture says God gives his hardest battles to his toughest soldiers and so yeah Brighton would you mind reading what you said oh yeah there's a date on this February 6th
1: 2015 that was a while ago (laughs) that would have been where would I have been at that point? That probably would have been either when I was serving in Hood River, Oregon or Portland, Oregon. I just had my second Christmas on my mission I'm starting to have thoughts leaning towards preparing to go home because at this point I have less than six months and trying to figure out how I'm going to be diligent and, and work hard for those last six months. My mission was rough for me. I'm yeah. I'm actually kind of shy. And so like cold contacts, talk to people on the street, that was hard. I had a lot of guilt and a lot of shame about that. Mm-hmm. interesting thinking back that far.
0: And okay, and now look at how many people you talk to, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I still struggle with this. Starting conversations is still hard, but it's I'm getting better slowly. Yeah. Okay. So well, this is what I said back then. Yeah. 12 years ago, my affliction began. Eight years of lonely darkness until we were able to find people who could help me. It took 60 long roller coaster weeks before I could get my feet under me. Today is the 1000th day that I have been free. I stand free and tall as a changed being, no longer racked, helpless, and self loathing. I stand as a warrior of God, a general among the sons of Healmen, a protector like Moroni a leader like Moses, and a healed disciple of Christ like the blind man who healed at the Pool of Siloam. Like a dragon will I fight until Satan rused the day he chose to mess with the Son of God.
0: Ah, that's so inspiring. Yeah, I would share that with moms. I would share that with my, my Eternal Warriors clients. That's so neat. So, like a dragon will I fight until Satan rused the day he chose to mess with this son of God. Oh, how does that make you feel right when you see that?
1: It's it's encouraging. It's inspiring. It's I'm kind of surprised. That, I'm not surprised that I wrote that, but also at the same time, I'm surprised that I was that eloquent. Because in real life, I can be super awkward all the time. And I think like, I'm finally getting better. And then my wife reminds me of how awkward I am just all the time. <laughs> but it's... Especially thinking back to all of the guilt and all of the shame that I had as a missionary, being able to find courage and bravery in my identity as a warrior. My identity as a missionary was full of guilt and shame because I was not able to live up to the standard I thought I should. And that's my mission leaders were teaching me that I should. And it wasn't their intention to shame me, but again, I was shy and struggling with starting conversations. And Anyway, it, it just feels good. It feels, it's so healthy and helpful for me to remember how I was able to cling to my identity as a warrior. Even if I can't start a conversation on the sidewalk with somebody, I, I am a warrior and I can do good things in the world. And I know that I'm a son of God. I know that he trusts me because there's so much evidence that he does trust me. Yeah, those those are kind of my thoughts and my feelings as I look back on that time.
0: So that was good. I got just a little distracted when I said my favorite thing, my favorite memory of Brighton. That's not my favorite memory, but there's lots of things that, because your, your mother and I are close, because we've worked here at Life Changing Services for so many years, and so we've shared... You know, so how's your children and what's going on with them? And, you know, for years and yeah, it's just been so cool. But gosh, you were in the sons of healing program and we were at the, gosh, what's the name of that hotel? They used to have the UCAP conference at Brighton.
1: The little America or something like
0: that. Yep. We were at the little America. And anyway, whenever I teach drills, I talk about this too. Cause I'll say, here's an example. And so drills, we talk about, you know, setting ourselves up for success by knowing exactly what our action is going to be when we start noticing, Hey, my thoughts are off. My chemistry's off. You know, I need to take care of this by implementing my drill, which also ignites warrior chemistry and gets my chemicals back down to a zero. And so, Anyway, I'm learning all this and I'm thinking it's just life changing in my life. And so Brighton and I are are manning a booth together. And I'm the director of Mothers You Know, and we're just, you know, and Brighton's there, standing there and, and we're just talking like, and all of a sudden, he just stops. And it was and so this is, I guess this would call under your awkward, Brighton. It
1: <laughs> yeah, Very much sounds like that.
0: that me. <laughs> anyway, but you just stopped and he was, he said, excuse me, I'll be right back. And so he leaves and you know, he wasn't gone that long, He comes back and his face flushed and he's got sweat coming down from his sideburns, you know? And I was like, Brighton, did you just go do a drill? And he's like, yep. And so I said, oh, oh, please tell me what you did. What did you do? And so he said, well, I went out in the parking lot and I can't remember how many push-ups you said you did, but, and I did this many push-ups. And I was like, okay, you know, I just think that's so, so fun. It's a fun memory. I can still see your younger face, you know, like, yep, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Excuse me, excuse me, I'll be right back. <laughs> but that's some dedication and some, uh, some devotion to the valor of who I'm talking to you listeners. He's such a wonderful, wonderful man. And I'm so excited to hear that you're heading this camp up because there's something else I know about you too. When you were the director of the whole camp, my two youngest children, were hired to work there at that camp and you were their boss and that was fun to notice to come up and, you know, just hang out at the camp a couple times and notice you guys doing fun things. And yeah, yeah that was, I really appreciated your influence on my children. And I also, yeah, I can remember my kids telling me, yeah, we think Brighton really likes Jamie.
1: Yeah, I've, I have this awful combination of being not subtle and also super oblivious. And so the woman who would eventually be my wife worked that summer with us. And I was oblivious at all of the hints that she was trying to drop my way. And there's actually another girl on staff who was also flirting with me and I was oblivious to that as well. So there's like this love triangle thing going on and they didn't like each other and I'm just oblivious to all of it. (laughs) But also once I did finally get to a place where I decided that I did like Jamie and that it, it took her, she was so patient. It took her, so the camp season is 10 weeks long and it took her nine weeks to wear me down to decide that it was okay for me to date one of my employees. Partially because it was the last week. Mm. Yeah, that was. There's some crazy drama that happened that summer with some of the upper management stuff that went on. But there's also a lot of really fun, great things that happened this summer as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Such a beautiful place. Such a neat thing. And yeah, so I've seen you in action. I've seen you in front, like, lead a crowd and, and you know, influence and change the life of the kids that, that are that you're influencing as employees. And so anyway, to me, I think this is an excellent, excellent idea for you to be doing. No wonder God is pushing you to try that out because one of the things I love about it, like if I'm a mom who has a son in the Sons of Healing program, and I'm thinking this is hard, right? This is really hard, right? And it's hard to watch, it's hard to watch how long and enduring this battle is, right? And I don't fully understand it. And don't, don't quite know why it's taking this long. But what a wonderful thing to have, you know, it's not just like I'm going to my recovery group. It's no, I'm going to a really awesome camp for a week, right? In the mountains. And it's not going to be all about this stuff, is that my understanding? It's going to be about, what. what's the goal there? So
1: before I talk about the goal, I want to talk a little bit about who it's for. Oh. Because I I would love for all of the guys who attend Sons of Human to come, but there's a very specific group of guys that I have in mind. Good uh, so let's go back to the story of Lahontai for just a second. Mm-hmm. Like we already talked about super noble guy, but what he's most well known for like you already mentioned, is when he's deceived by Amalickiah. Noble guy, skilled warrior. I mean, we can assume that because all the people who follow him make him general. Mm -hmm. And he's still deceived and makes poor decisions that eventually end up to him losing his life. And it's, I mean, there's the whole story about how messengers come to him three times. He's like, no, no, I won't. So he's trying to be good. He's trying to be noble. He's trying to be valiant. But in the end, he's deceived. In among the ranks of the Sons of Healmen, there are noble men who are in somewhat similar situations where they are noble men with good hearts, and they're just struggling to make progress. These are the boys who they might be somewhat similar to me. It took me over a year and a half to graduate from the program. There's guys who they've been in the group for two years or more. They were maybe not necessarily even boys who've been in a long time, but boys who they just struggle to learn in from listening and they got to involve their bodies. And so Camp Oneida is meant for for these boys. Everyone is welcome to come as long as we have capacity open, but it's specifically meant for these boys. The approach that we're taking, so if I were to summarize the purpose of Camp Oneida into just one or two sentences, it's to teach and reinforce the principles of Sons of Helaman through adventure-based learning. And Mm -hmm. so there won't be any lectures, there won't be any like sit down and listen to the teacher. There will be discussion, but the discussion will always follow some sort of adventure type activity where there will be learning by doing. So Mm -hmm. there'll be a whole bunch of fun, there'll be a whole bunch of excitement, but every fun thing has a specific purpose and a lesson to teach.
0: Mm. That's really awesome. Have you thought of any ideas of what you might do that's fun?
1: Yeah, we've, so my brother Riley and I, he's been my right-hand man in this process. And we've, we've basically got the entire potential schedule worked out and we're so excited. Um, So it'll be about a six day camp. We have a camp, we have a location found right now. We're trying to gather the funds to be able to reserve the campsite. But it's in a small town called Eden, Utah. So just a little east over the mountains from Ogden. Actually, it's like 30 minutes north of where you live. I'm sure you know where Eden yeah. is. Yeah. And so the first day when the boys arrive, one of the first things that'll happen after know we get them all kind of settled, tents set up, that kind of thing, is we'll break them up into teams or groups. And they'll be relatively small teams, depending on how many boys come. We'll have the groups will be between about six to ten boys, again, depending on how many come. And we're gonna the entire week, instead of just referring to them as teams, they'll be battalions. Mm. And part of what we're hoping to do is give them the opportunity to make their own title of liberty where they'll use sticks and fabric to make a banner and stuff like that that they can bring around with them as they go from location to location. But so we'll put them in these teams, they'll be in these battalions. And the main activities that will happen throughout the week, each one of the first things that they'll do each day is formal swordsmanship classes, where um, we're going to use safe foam swords, kind of like the ones that they use in LARPing. It would be really easy to just, you know, sword fight with sticks like my brothers and I did, but I don't want them to hurt each other as much as me and my brothers hurt each other. So we're going to use safe foam swords. And so just for the first portion of the day, they're going to do formal swordsmanship training where they'll be drilling and practicing and sparring and stuff like that. And it'll be a whole bunch of fun. But the purpose behind these lessons is to teach the importance of practice, of repetition, that you only learn skills as you practice them. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is preparation. And that'll tie in. um, Well, that actually ties into the next piece. So every day there's going to be drilling and training in this formal swordsmanship. Later in the day, we're going to have what we're referring to as skirmishes or war games where wow. battalions will compete against each other in capture the flag style games. And so far, we've got like eight different war games that Riley and I have planned out. And each one has at least one specific lesson that they're supposed to teach. Wow. And there's other lessons that the boys, we hope the boys will pull from so for example, just the the most basic war game would be kind of like what you, if you ever see guys just having LARP battles in the park, this is the most common one. <clears throat> or you got team A, team B, they go at each other with foam swords until one team is just entirely wiped out and then the other one wins. So we would start there. But at the end, we pull the battalions apart. The team that wins has to answer question two from the captain's log and like dragons that they fight. Okay. And this is the questions that they're asked in group each week. And that mm-hmm. question is, When you, how, how did you win your most difficult recent battle? What were you doing correctly when you won? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so after having you know, a whole bunch of fun, whacking each other with foam-covered sticks, they, they have to figure out, okay, what did we do right? And how do we continue doing that? Now, on the other side of the field, the team that loses the battle will answer question five, which is the loss battle analysis where they have to look at what technique did the enemy use to defeat us? So instead of like, what did I do wrong? It's what technique did the enemy use? How did they outwit us? Is there a pattern to this? Because there'll be several rounds over and over. What might I change? Or if I could replay the event, what could I do differently so that I could win? And then how can I prepare so I'm ready to win next time Satan tries something similar? That's so cool. And so it'll tie back into the next round of the war games. And that ties into the preparation piece in their swordsmanship drills. The more diligently they drill in the morning, the better set up they will be to perform well and have more fun in the war games in the afternoon.
0: Mm. Wow, that is so awesome. I love the correlations, right? Because so if, if I heard you correctly, I heard you say, this camp is specifically for boys who are just so awesome But they, they don't quite get that piece of pushing it past the, you got to use your body. Okay. That is a huge thing. And, and I don't know, there's, it's hard to, if you, if you're like, why, why? Like today I was just reading about, you know, our brains and how one of the great functions of our brain is to take the easiest path possible. Right. Yeah. And so it'd be like, let's just stay safe and not do hard things. And so to to realize that you actually have to be the boss of your brain. And so that's a hard thing to learn because it doesn't feel like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like the thing to do a lot of times.
1: Yeah. That's cool. So there's a couple other activities that we have planned early in the week. There's going to be team building exercises because the better they work as a team that carries over skills to the rest of your life, one of the... Number 10 of the eternal warriors lessons is the power of a team. Mm -hmm. And that one of the things that we teach in group is you can kind of sort of technically maybe work recovery on your own, just you and God, but it's really hard. Why did you do that to yourself? Like there are people around you, reach out to them, lean on them, let them support you. You will still have to do the recovery work, but it's significantly easier when you have a team. And so there'll be some crossover there. And so there's a lot of good things that come from team building. So we're going to have some team building games, um, some obstacle courses, some things like that to help them work together as a battalion. And that's going to be one of the places where we introduce DPAR or the pattern for growth tool is what it's referred to in the young men's, young women's programs, where we use discover, plan, act, reflect. So they'll, they'll run through like an obstacle course, let's say. And then they'll just reflect, on was like, okay, what went right, what went wrong? And then they'll start trying to do some discovery work. How can we do this better? They start creating plans and then they act. They repeat the obstacle course, trying to do it faster or smoother or something like that. And so that'll carry over into the other activities that they do. And so that'll be part of the question twos that they answer in the captain's log or the loss battle analysis. And it's such a useful tool. It's so helpful in recovery work. Any skill you're trying to develop when you're working on a passion project, it's such a wonderful tool. I'm so grateful it's a part of the young, young women's program.
0: Yeah, that's so neat. It seems like such an obvious thing, right? When, when it was laid out, you're like, well, that's kind of obvious, right? But it's almost like someone needed to lay that out.
1: Yeah, it's but, almost like one of those will done moments, but how often do we need the will done <laughs> moments just to help make this?
0: <laughs> right, um, And I still am trying to implement that in my own life, you know, on a regular basis. And yeah, often I get kind of envious of you guys because you're always talking about it, you're always doing it. And I'm thinking, okay, I just want to hang out with you guys so that I can just get more of that drip system on the D-par. Yeah,
1: that'd be really cool. Well, if if Riley gets his way, once Campo grows and it's a multi-year thing, he wants to turn this into like a family camp thing where we can get some families together and we'll split them up into battalions where like they'll be the mom battalion and the dad battalion and the little brother battalion and stuff like that and so that's one of the long-term visions that we have but once once we have the ball rolling we'll figure out how to do that wow one of the last activities that we have planned there's still a little more planning to do but this is the last of the major activities that we have planned is blacksmithing and I'm super super excited about this one it's, <laughs> blacksmithing. it's yeah it it's been a fascination of mine for a really long time and the short version is that a lot of the books that i enjoy reading include blacksmithing there and so that kind of got me interested and then the the other thing that got me like really fascinated by it and really wanting to learn is our ancestor who came over from Denmark, who brought our name Peterson. He was a member of the Royal Guard, the bodyguard for the king of Denmark. Oh. And so when he joined the church and immigrated to Utah, he brought with him his officer saber. And so we we just have these stories about the grandpa with the sword and those kinds of things. When he died, his widow had to sell his sword in order to make ends meet, and so it's nowhere in the family anymore, and so I have this mild obsession about how wanting to learn about what that sword would be like, and to make a replica of that sword, Mm -hmm. and so that's like one of my side projects, it's one of the things that got me interested in it, but as I've continued to learn about blacksmithing, and it's fun, it's cool, but yeah. it's also a great way to teach some psychological principles as well. the The main, re- or probably the clincher that's helped me decide that, okay, we're going to include this, even though it's made it difficult for some campsites to be willing to accept us because you know we're bringing a box that spits fire to their campground. Right. <laughs> Is for most of the boys, most of the young men that come to Camp United, this will be the only time in their lives where they get to do something like this.
2: right? And
1: the sneaky psychology part of my brain is, well, this will just help them remember it for the rest of their lives. And so help some of these lessons stick. But in addition to that, it's healthy fear, healthy respect for things that can hurt you is something that is essential for working with any tool. But also it's a healthy relationship or rather a healthy perspective to have of Satan to not to be afraid of him so much as I respect that if I am not cautious, he can do me great harm. Like in the story with Lahontai and Amalakaya, where he slowly over time let his guard down and it cost him his life. Right. And so that's one of the lessons there, but also again, the, the practice, the repetition, you only get good at blacksmithing as you do it. And you can't, well, for example, I'm not just gonna have them whack on pieces of metal. I'm gonna have them work on actual projects. And we're still trying to figure out what all of those projects will be that they take home.
2: Mm. Our
1: first idea was to make nails. And so the the classic blacksmith apprentice, what they would do for years is make nails because the master blacksmith, he's so sick and tired of doing it because he's had to do it for decades, he just shoves it all to the apprentice. But also it is one of the simplest things that you can make. And so that's one of our thoughts is have them start by making their own name that they can take home. Mm-hmm. One of the, and I have to give credit to my wife, Jamie, for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got called to be a uh, ma and paw for our steak trek. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to come up with ideas for what we can do with the youth who are going to be in our family because we'll meet with them monthly until the actual trek. And she's like, well, why don't you take them out to your forge and have them make dinner spoons that they can take with them on the mm-hmm. trek?
0: That's a great idea.
1: And I was like, that's a great idea. I've got no clue how to do that. <laughs> so I spent the last month or so making dinner spoons. And it's it's a lot easier than I thought it'd be. It's fun. It's challenging. My first attempt, I could fit about two squares of Cinnamon toast Crunch on it. And <laughs> my I just finished forging my second attempt. And now I'm in the process of polishing it enough that I'd be willing to actually put the thing in my mouth. And that one's significantly better. And so we're still trying to figure out what the projects are, but the, it's if you want to get good at you have to practice repetition and precision is a really important part of it. You can't just swing and hit anywhere on the piece of metal. You have to hit the right spot with the right amount of force in order to get the desired shape, the desired outcome.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, those are kind of the, the main projects or the main activities that we'll be doing and some of the main lessons that yeah. the boys will have after each activity the trail guide that will be leading their group is going to give them the opportunity to reflect and try and pull more lessons out of it. And we're going to really try and involve the Holy ghost along the way to help the boys learn more lessons than just these few ones that we've tried to pinpoint.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. Okay. Brighton, you've thought a lot about this. I think it's so neat and it's so cool that you're doing it with Riley. And that you guys are excited enough about it that we're thinking, yeah, in the future, we, we're going to make something really awesome out of this too.
1: Yeah, that's, so, that's the hope.
0: Um, so- I was just
1: on a call with Cody Haas earlier today. He's one of the mentors that I report to about how progress is going with my Sons of Human group. Mm-hmm. And so he's asking how things are moving Camp Oneida. and I'm telling him some of the stuff that I've been telling you. And he's just saying, oh man, ward has high adventure this summer and they decided to go whitewater rafting i would much rather bring them to camp oneida instead and it was like yes that's so cool i would love to do high adventures with camp oneida to eventually grow it beyond just helping sons of the guys but that's once it's functioning once it's moving once it's rolling being able to grow and expand like that to to help more people yeah wow
0: that's so neat isn't that one, Isn't it cool to notice how God works in our lives and how He prepares us for things and puts us on a, you know, kind of a path of, yeah, this this is your niche a little bit, right? Like your family's been really involved in, in just yeah that scouts and camps and so cool to notice this.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm really grateful for it. looking back. It's because of the ways that, so I I mentioned some of, there were some trauma and management issues that summer that I was the camp director. And because of the way that summer ended, I had a lot of bitterness and resentment against the Boy Scouts of America and some of the people in the Trapper Trails Council specifically. And just wondering why on earth, because when I came back from mission, I was like, okay, I'm an adult now and I need a real adult job. And so, God made it really clear that I was supposed to go back to camp and just wondering why, wow. why on earth am I supposed to go back to camp? Right. And seeing that God's been kind of pushing me this way. I, even even in high school, the high school that I attended, the first and last week of every school year, they would have what they called elevation. And so we would gather a bunch of students together in this small town called Bayo outside St. George, Utah. Mm -hmm. And we'd spend the week rock climbing, repelling leadership courses, stuff like that. And it counted as high school credit.
2: And so I thought, yeah,
1: this is so super cool. It's a whole bunch of fun. Mm -hmm. And now I can see that experience was, even though it was cool and fun and helpful then, it's shaping the way that this Campbell Night is taking place. For example, some very specific ideas I'm pulling from is the idea of battalions at elevation they referred to them as pods you know, like a, a group of whales and you know that's all fun but we're the sons of helaman this is camp oneida the place of arms so we're gonna call them battalions yeah but basically copy and paste from that one of the other things that has been really helpful is they had their trail guides so these are people who have graduated from the school they've been to elevation several times and they received training and so they can help not only keep the young, dumb teenagers safe, but also be like, almost like a counselor at an FSY conference where they're kind of, they're not all the way an adult yet. They're still young and cool, but they have more wisdom that they can share.
2: Right.
1: And so that's one of the things that we're borrowing. Every battalion is going to have a trail guide. And this trail guide would either be a personal warrior trainer that I've hired to come and play with us for the week, or it will be someone who is a graduate of the program with similar knowledge and training as a personal warrior trainer who can step in and help the guys for the week.
0: Wow, that's gonna
1: be powerful.
0: That is gonna yeah. be so powerful.
1: Yeah, we're we're so excited and <laughs> just so grateful for how patient God has been along the way helping us figure out some of the logistic things. Cause originally it's gonna be like, yeah, me and my brother, we're just gonna go up in the mountains for a week with like 30 boys and we'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then some other people pointing out is like that's a really bad idea. You should have some more people there to help you not be dumb.
0: <laughs> and so yeah, I know that that the logistics of it, like really, I just think, oh, this is something that is gonna be amazing.
1: I'm I'm so grateful for as frustrating and as emotionally roller coaster it was that year being a camp director for the Boy Scouts of America. I learned so much in that year that is helping me be able to figure out how on earth I can put this together, like how on earth to feed the boys. Mm. Uh, Never would have really thought of that if I hadn't been in the position of a camp director. I wouldn't have known where to look to figure out how on earth to get the boys food and that kind of stuff. Mm. Probably would have winged it. We would have had like ramen noodles three times a day or something like that. But, (laughs) But that experience and that training has been, been really beneficial trying to put together just like all the behind the scenes stuff that nobody will see but makes it possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so much more goes into something that people just show up and see, right? Here we are at the yeah. camp. You know, yeah, there's so much that goes into it. And so yeah, it does take I just love your warrior heart. I love the yeah that you are and passionate know and stick to something i love that it's come to this place where you were like ah that i'll never do that it's a fun idea but i'll never do it i love that it's come to this place of of i'm doing this and not only that i think god's calling me to do this and so that's just so neat and i think so needed too and i love that you're focusing on this little niche of young men everybody's invited but there's this little niche of these are the guys who don't quite get how important it is to you know extend things above just thinking right yeah thinking about it we gotta we gotta move we gotta do about it in that's the training part of it so much of it
1: yeah those boys and the boys who I didn't realize that I was kind of caving to this to me, but that's kind of who it ends up being for. The, the kids who, they, they're they smart kids, but listening is not the way that they learn best. Yeah. If you repeat it enough times, eventually it will sink in, but they learn better through doing. It. So the boys who they they get the concept and they're just not doing anything about it yet, and the boys who they're trying to get it and it just doesn't make sense yet yeah. or they can't figure it out or like they can understand it in principle but they don't know how to apply it yet because because yeah. they're doers and they they need adventure they need activity
0: oh that's so good do you remember in your training I think, oh it's a doing thing do you remember anything like where, when it shifted for you in something that was like beyond oh Okay. This is what I thought. Uh, it what it really I don't know that
1: I ever had like a serious click moment for me. It was a process Yeah. where when I first joined the program, I went in a month straight without losing battles. And so just learning like warrior chemistry and some of those kinds of tools were so life-changing, but then I became what they referred to as the yo-yo where I'd win for a month and lose for two and win for a month and lose for two. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually what if I was to try and identify one specific moment in my recovery that made probably the most difference was the, the transition from week four to week five was always the hardest for me. For some reason, there was a barrier there, a wall that I just couldn't pass until finally I did. I had learned enough, practiced enough, had the skills in place where I finally passed week four. and things were cruising right along. It wasn't necessarily smooth sailing. I was still fighting and working, all those kinds of things. And it was approaching Christmas time. And I decided that I was going to give a Christmas present to my savior of my cleanliness, my worthiness. And I wasn't going to be graduated yet, but I was getting really close. And I got to, I think it was about nine weeks and five days or something right around there. Mm-hmm. And I lost. A part of that is because I got fired from my job as a grocery store bagger, which is its own story entirely. But it was so frustrating and depressing and devastating that I, I did last about three days after I got fired before I ended up losing, but, but I lost. And then I just really struggled for the next couple of months. And then there was some sort of shift in that took place where I decided I was going to become a righteous freak. I was going to become a peculiar person. I was going to do whatever it took in order to to start winning. And that's the person that you met at that UCAP is after I'd been working and practicing that for, at that point, it had probably been, let's see, I graduated, I became a general in August of 2012. So I probably would have been spring of 2013. So I would have been practicing that for almost nine months at that point of being so diligent because when I first started that, when I when I first made that decision, to I'll I'll do whatever it takes. I might not have had the guts to pause a conversation right in the middle and right. go and do a drill and come back.
0: Right or the awareness. I mean the the heightened level of sensitivity, the awareness you had to be like, I I can sense something. I need to do something about this. Yeah. That's amazing, because I I know I just if I'm if there's people around or I'm getting distracted or, you know, you just think, oh, that's over there. It's not really a thing right now because I'm doing this. But what we don't realize is, yeah, it's in all of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I've seen, one of the things I tell my guys in my group is Almost everyone that I've talked with who is at a point where they're working long lasting success, really long lasting recovery instead of just abstinence and I'm just not losing battles, but real recovery where they really bring out the warrior that's inside them. There's some sort of almost Abrahamic level sacrifice that they have to make. Mm. A good friend of mine named Adam Clark, he shares that his first week in group There was a general there who said, I couldn't start winning until I got rid of my Xbox. And that was that young man's Abrahamic sacrifices. He had to to give up video games so that he could start winning. Part of mine was that determination of, I'll do whatever it takes. And so that was frequent drills throughout the day. And one of the hard things for me was having to decide, I care more about my recovery than what people think of me. And so if my neighbors see me sprinting down the street barefoot three times a day, rain, sun, or snow, it doesn't matter because I got to do this flagpole so I can work recovery. If I have to, this happened all the time, early morning seminary, me and my best friend are walking in high school girls don't dress as appropriately as I wish that they would, yeah. even in seminary, which shouldn't surprise me, but it did. But before I walked into seminary, I would have to drop to the ground and do some push-ups before I walked in the door. And so my best friend would just stand there staring at me, looking like a weirdo, because for some reason, as a teenage boy, he can't just walk in and let me follow him 30 seconds later, but he just stare at me while I'm doing push-ups, and I had to be okay with doing push-ups while my best friend is just staring at me, and he's got no clue why. Um, or getting to the point where I, I can interrupt a conversation, go out into the parking lot, find a secluded space between two cars, and do some push-ups, and then go back in to talk to people about UCAP and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Wow. that I love it. I'm really, oh, Brighton, I'm so glad you're here. You know, you were here for a minute thinking oh, he's going to be a clinician here. It's going to be so cool. And then you weren't and I about died. And so the fact that you're, you're here and that you're so much a part of the journey of life-changing services, right? You're part of like the heart. Of it, and that you're, you are bringing all of this knowledge, and this wisdom, and this, and this, right to the very detail. I became like the sons of Helaman righteous freak. <laughs> 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 I I got it all down, and it's so obvious because when you teach things and when you share, and the, with your blog, I've been there and read it and things like that. I just think, oh yeah, it's such. It's created such a neat asset here for so many people to come and, you know, learn from you and has strengthened our team here so much. And I just, I don't know. I just love, I love being here at Life Changing Services and the people that we get to hang out with and the people that come and join us. And often we, they come to join us in a place where it's like, I do not want to come and join you. I do not want to be here. This isn't what I wanted. But it's almost like it turns into this mission, this call of, yeah, God, yeah, his hardest battles for his strongest warriors, right? Because I got a work for you to do.
2: Yeah.
0: So neat. So one of the things I know that I'm excited to, yeah to just express now is like, I think it's so important that the people that are listening here, that not only Camp Oneida is a place of arms, like tonight, they need to hear a call to arms, right? Because there's, there's a hurdle that we want to get over because we want to get this Camp Oneida started and you had an inspiration. And I'm sure at the first thought of it, you were thinking, well, that's not super comfortable, is it? <laughs> right?
1: No, I, there's, there's still totally very uncomfortable things about it. Right? Um, well, like, like, for example, my preference would be to be one of the trail guides at this camp where I guess to be close, inter- interact with the young guys and be with them and be with them for the sword fights and stuff like that. And I can't. Somebody has to be in charge and nobody knows it better than I do. Yeah. So I get to be that guy and try and find ways in there where, where I can have the fun.
0: Yeah. And one of one of the parts of being that guy is finding the funding to lay down the money to reserve the camp and do all the safe stuff. And so, yeah, the call to arms that we want you listeners to hear is hopefully that year Brighton has created a site and I want you to tell them about. Here, GoFundMe.
1: Yeah, so it's really easy to find if you go to gofundme.org.com. I don't remember which one it is. You go to the GoFundMe website and just search Camp Oneida, O-N-I-D-A-H. And it's probably the only thing that'll pop up or one of just a few things that pop up. And so it's Camp Oneida, helping helping teens learn self-mastery or something like that. And we're... I, I don't have the personal funds to reserve the campsite on my own. I wish we did, but it's, it's been kind of a tight year for my family. And so I need help. And if we can get people who are willing to donate $5, $20, whatever little thing that they can, mm-hmm. if we can raise, hey, like on the GoFundMe website, I'm not asking for a small amount of money, but it's the end goal is to make it cheaper. For the participants who eventually sign up, I need at least eight hundred forty dollars just to reserve the campsite because because I don't have those funds. Yeah. Uh, but but the more that we get, the cheaper the registration fee will be. And I would I would love to keep this registration fee for the boys' this first year under two hundred dollars, which basically it would cover like food and so that I can pay the trail guides who are coming to actually take time off of work to be there and and so that's the goal and because a lot of and I, I spell it all out on the website there's a lot of things that are just one-time buys that I will only need to buy this one time and I really don't want the participants to have to pay for that and so if if anyone who can donate a little bit and we can get a lot of people who are willing to donate just a little make it so much easier for for more people to be able to come and to receive this training to have these this adventure-based learning.
0: Oh, that's so good. Well, I'm definitely gonna donate. Isn't GoFundMe the one that that it says here's the amount we need? And it starts clocking it down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like we're almost there. No, we have a ways to go.
1: <laughs> yeah. So far I've received $40 in donations, which I really appreciate.
0: Totally. I just
1: need, you know, eight hundred dollars more in order to reserve a campsite. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And you know what? I know last I heard that there's over 200 people a week listening to this podcast. And so, I mean, if everybody listening to this podcast this week, you know, donated, I don't know, you're the math man over there. $5, $10, $20. Are you doing the math?
1: I'm trying, but you keep changing the number. (laughs) So if 200 people were to donate Ten dollars. That would be a two. That would be two thousand dollars, and so that would cover the registration fee, so we can actually reserve the campsite. I'm starting to feel a little pressured about because just where where we live, where Utah is, and how dry the last couple summers have been. There have been fire bans the last couple summers, mm-hmm. and so if this camp is going to happen and blacksmithing is going to be a part of it, it has to take place in early June. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm feeling a little urgency to. To get that reserve but it's kind of out of my hands because i need help yeah um, totally. but, so two thousand dollars that would cover the registration fee for the campsite that i already have a forge so we don't need to pay for that but and then i did a trial run with some family and friends where we were forging nails and one of the things i found is i need different size hammers for for different people to swing if for example if there's a 14 year old boy at the camp my the normal hammer that I swing is two and a half pounds, which doesn't sound like much, but you put it on the end of a stick, and all of a sudden it's difficult to swing. And so I need three different sizes of hammers for people who are 14 to ages of 18. I don't I don't actually know what the age cap will be yet, but I need different size hammers. And so two thousand dollars would pay for the camp. It would pay for those hammers. It would pay for the swords, so that the registrant the participants don't have to pay for the swords i trying to remember, I, I've got it all listed out on that GoFundMe website exactly what it is that those kinds of things would pay for. And along the way, I'll be I'll be taking pictures, I'll be making posts as we're finally in the position to start making these kinds of purchases. I want people, the, the people who are kind and in a position where they can donate, I really want to be able to show them what it is that we're doing with their money.
0: Mm. That's really awesome. That makes me want to donate even more because you're showing me what you're doing with my money. (laughs) Actually, actually, even if you didn't show me, I just know you well enough to think it's, yeah, it's worth it. It's because he's, he's a, if there's something I know about Brighton, he's not a shine you on kind of guy. Yep, he's salt of the earth. Good man. So Thank you so much, Brighton. This has been so fun to hear about this. and so neat to feel your energy and be inspired by you. I hope people feel the same way I do about, man, that is so cool. That's a cool idea.
1: I really appreciate you having me. I really want to get this idea out there. I'm trying to share it with who I can, but because I'm an awkward guy, it's (laughs) hard for me to to get the word out there. I really appreciate you letting me come and share my vision with other people. In some ways, I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but sometimes I feel a little bit like Nephi when God tells him to build a boat and God gives him like a blueprint and he has a vision. So Nephi sees the end result, Mm -hmm. but he's got no clue how to make it. so he starts with, well, I know I need tools. So where can I go to get the ore to make tools? And then you've got Sam who's there all along with him the entire time helping build. And so that's kind of what I feel like. I've got a vision and I'm not entirely sure how to get there, but I'm I'm getting people on my team. I'm finding my SAMs and my Lehighs and the other people who will help me figure out how to actually build this thing and make it work and float.
0: Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's amazing. Yep, that's amazing. I think it's going to work and float. I really hope so. Yeah, it's totally going to work and float. And yeah, we need to get you on Mother 2 Know to talk to the moms and. I'm just thinking now, what else can we do to get this out? So you listeners, if you're thinking, well, I got an idea, then yeah, you totally should reach out. Can they reach out to you on your website?
1: Yeah. uh, I think I have, I think I have my email address on there. If I don't, it's Camp Oneida at gmail. So C A M P O N I A H at gmail.com. And you can reach out to me that way. And Again, so financial donations are really helpful. And if you're in a position where you can't, if your family's in a position like mine where things are just tight, um, if you could just share my GoFundMe page on Facebook or Instagram or whatever social medias you use, just so more people can see it, that's helpful too. Because I've tried to share it on my Facebook, but it's so small that it, it hasn't gone very far.
0: Right. Okay, excellent. All right, we're on it. We're on it
1: thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks Brighton and thanks listeners. Really appreciate you going to that GoFundMe and you know just a little bit and so that would be so awesome for such a great cause and yeah such a neat project. I love it. It's going to be a neat thing. I'm excited. Oh we'll have another one of these next year to see how your first one went.
1: That'll be really cool. (laughs) One of the things that I'm I'm hoping to do, and this one will be tricky because, you know, permission slips and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because these guys are enrolled in Sons of then most people don't want like their faces out there. But I want to figure out how to take some pictures in ways that guys are okay with and put together like a small slideshow. Like, this is what we do. This is who we are. And these are the things that you can expect. So somehow I'll figure out a way to do that in ways that boys and their parents are okay with. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if they're all just really distant shots and you can't tell who they are. Maybe we'll just have to have faces on everybody
0: but yeah or you know at least your pwt guides your trail guides yeah put them up there doing stuff or something but
1: yeah yeah that would
0: work yeah so neat okay thanks brighton thanks everybody for listening we'll see you next time thank you thank you for being with us today warrior moms i invite you to make a donation at the top of our website mothers Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers Who Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast hosted by two YSA age young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests you can follow us on our social media pages on facebook under mothers dot lcs or search for mothers you know and on instagram username at mothers underscore who know last if you would like additional support and training please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms you can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at motherswhoknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at know at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.